0: Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craig Avon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Amen. Thanks, Steve. Yeah, well, good evening. It's good to be here tonight, uh, all the way from Sonny Bangor, uh, which... Uh, You know, I used to think Bangor was the center of the universe until uh, I started traveling up here to see the guys up here, and I've discovered Lurgan is the center of the universe, and it is is like all roads lead to Lurgan, especially if you leave from Bangor. So it's really good to be here. It's been brilliant over the last couple of years for us to get to know Dave and Phil and Al and Tash and some of the other guys here. And personally for me, as a church leader, and for us as a church, to have people to join with, to walk alongside, has been so beneficial. It has been amazing. And, uh, you know, it it is great, a privilege for me to be here tonight because I just see this is a great church. The guys who uh, look after things here are fantastic, and uh, you're very blessed, people. I hope you know that. Uh, And it's great uh, to be part of something that is alive. Um, uh, And we give All the praise and glory to God for that. So it's brilliant for me to join in your practice series. We did a series similar to this in our own church. So I'm familiar with the kinds of things that you've been looking at. Looking at habits uh, that we can build into our day-to-day lives or routines uh, or rituals or rhythms that we can incorporate into our daily living in order to make us more and more like Jesus. In order to help us participate in the divine life. Um, I think about it like this. A seed has the power in it to grow. Everything you need for life is contained within a seed, but if the seed sits in your pocket, it's not going to grow. And I say sometimes to my kids, if they swallow, Daddy, I swallowed an apple seed. I say, well, you know what's going to happen? A tree is going to grow inside your stomach. That doesn't work like that. Uh, a seed has all this life contained within it, but it does not grow unless it is placed in the right soil with uh, heat and light and water and all the different things that it needs, and then life comes up. And that's a bit like our life in Christ, that if we've come to Him, been given His Holy Spirit, the life is within us, but the growth isn't automatic. Uh, The growth doesn't just happen because the life is within us. And these practices enable us to posture ourselves in such a way that the life of Christ within us will grow. So these things are really important. It's not how we earn our salvation by any means at all, but we're told to work it out, to work out what God has put in. And so these practices and habits help us do that. So we're going to bounce around the Bible a little bit, but I wanted to re- remind you of uh, the kind of key verses uh, that this series has really been based on. Um, First Peter, sorry, Second Peter chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. Uh, sorry, chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world caused by evil desires, that we might participate in the divine nature. That's what this is about. So tonight we're going to be looking at the practice of learning or of studying. Now, <clears throat> Things like contemplative prayer, like, oh, what's that? That sounds really exciting. Or Lectio Divina, oh, what's that? That sounds really exciting. Or let's uh, work out the prayer of examine. Like, what's that? It's really exciting. If I say to you, we're going to talk tonight about the practice of learning and of study, I'm sure not everybody says, oh, that's fantastic. I just can't wait to hear about this. Uh, Because uh, for a lot of us, uh, you know, the last kind of formal learning you did was like 25 years ago in school and you kind of got out of there as soon as you possibly could because learning really wasn't for you. Like tests, exams and all that stuff really is not for you. Or you're in the midst of a learning environment in your nine to five. <clears throat> and you know, you, you, you want to get a break from that. You don't, don't want to have to learn how to learn on your spare time that you're here at church. Uh, I had a uh, one of my great learning experiences, and of course, most of you will have gone through this, is, is passing your driving test. And thankfully, I did it first time, but I kind of had three phases of learning in my driving test. The first was I had some formal lessons with a driving instructor. And being a kind of reasonably arrogant 17-year-old, I said, "Look, look, you give me six lessons, and that's all. I'm not having any more after that. That's all I'm paying for. And he did, did my six lessons, and I thought, that's great. I know the basics. All I need to do now is practice. So instead of paying this guy 15 pounds an hour or whatever it is, I just need to get someone to drive me about, and I'll drive them about, and, and I'll learn how to drive. So the person I managed to get in that role was my then fiancé's father. So my now father-in-law taught me how to drive. And I'm telling you, we have a great relationship now um, after that experience you know it, it had its hairy moments but he used to take me out on the Saturday morning we would drive around Bangor we'd have several near misses every week and I thought I knew from the driving instructor like this is how you drive once I got into the car and started driving about with him kind of like white faced and white knuckled holding on to things then I realized no I do not really know that much about driving really but then when I went to do my test <clears throat> passed the test and then I started driving around town Then I realized, I really don't know how to drive. Because you don't really know what you're doing until you're actually out on the road. But it was this progressive experience, like thinking, I've got it sorted. And, oh, no, I don't have it sorted, so I need to learn some more. And then, oh, no, I really don't have it sorted. Uh, And we go through life learning. So we might have a a negative connotation with formalized learning. But no matter what it is that we do in our lives, it's a process of learning. So whether you're a stay-at-home mom, uh, you're learning. If you work in a factory, you're learning. If you're a tradesperson, you're learning to get to where you are today. The question I have is, why do we not seem to bring this attitude about learning and growth into our Christian lives? And I came across this. Of course, this is not true here in this church, but uh, morning, sir. Welcome to the first church. Would you like me? Would you like to leave your brain with me before you go in? So this is the check-in. So sort of like, let's go to church and we leave our brains at the door. And, uh, of course, it's never said, but sometimes we kind of have that attitude, like all the clever stuff is out there. But when it comes to church, like, please don't make me think. Please. Yet the importance of the mind is all over the Scripture. So Matthew 22, verse 7, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Philippians 4. Uh, Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. John 8, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. 1 Corinthians 14, stop thinking like children in regard to evil, be infants, but in your thinking, be adults. 2 Corinthians 10, we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. 1 Corinthians 2, we have the mind of Christ. And there's so many more, but last one. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. You see, the mind is massively important in our apprenticeship, in our discipleship to Jesus, because a renewed mind leads to a transformed life. That's how it works. We don't necessarily always get changed in our feelings first and foremost. We don't necessarily always get changed in our actions first and foremost. But when our minds are renewed, then our lives are transformed. So what I want to take us through tonight is three aspects of our minds that need to be renewed, that need to be transformed, and then give you some practical uh, steps in how to begin an intentional process of the renewal of our minds. So we up for that? Yes, so if you have a Bible, Genesis chapter 3 is uh, where, where we're going to look. And this is the story really of, you know, what's termed as the fall or how sin came into the world and how the kind of the crack that is within each one of us uh, got in there and how we have this natural inclination to kind of mess things up in our lives. The natural, in, natural sort of uh, direction we go in life is to sin. So Genesis chapter 3, there's three aspects of the mind that is damaged by sin in this story. Now a lot of us will know the story, but the first aspect of our minds that we need renewed is information. So Genesis 3, chapter 1, or verse 1, "'Now the snake was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, "'Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden?' The woman said to the snake, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the snake said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the serpent comes to Adam and Eve, who've been walking in the garden with God, who've been enjoying his presence day by day, day, What the serpent's tactic is, is to deceive Adam and Eve and get them to act on false information. If you like, the serpent's tactic was to get Adam and Eve to act on fake news about God. And in other words, they say, well, did God, he says to them, did God really say that you shouldn't eat that? And he begins to question the information in their minds. Well, I know God did say if we eat that, we will die. But now you're coming along and you're questioning that and you're telling me, no, God didn't really say that did he really say? And he gets them to question what they know about God. And many of us go through life with faulty information about God. And especially if you're here, maybe here tonight, you're not a Christian, you're not a follower of Jesus yet. It may be that you're not a follower of Jesus yet because in your mind, you have a certain view about God, which isn't actually a correct view, that you're acting on false information. You know, when I was a little kid, I grew up in a a church, and it was a great church, lots of good things about it. But for some reason, I came out of that experience thinking that God was this basically big, angry man who was going to beat me with a stick if I ever uh, went over the line. And that's pretty common in this part of the world to come away from church and believe, well, that's the message that they're talking about. But it's false information. It's not what God is like. Before understanding of uh, medicine and bacteria and anatomy, there was lots of false information that was acted on in the medical profession. So I I looked up some ancient uh, medical uh, treatments. So if you had a fever in the 19th century, uh, and for lots of different things, what the doctors might prescribe is bloodletting. So just cut open veins in your arm, and we'll just let the fever come out. And oh, If too much blood came out, the person died. Well, the fever's got them then in the end. Uh, Other ancient cultures, if you had a a headache, uh, this is pretty gruesome, but you you can get this from skulls and stuff. If you had a headache, you thought, well, there's obviously something in the head that's trying to get out. So the way to cure this headache is to bore a hole in the skull. Oh dear, that's actually killed the person. Well, the headaches killed the person. Or uh, my favorite one that I found was the ancient Babylonians. And they had this cure for if you had a problem with grinding your teeth in your sleep. Now, if anybody grinds their teeth in their sleep, you know, it's tension, it's maybe stress or, or or whatever, but they said, no, what that is is like that's some kind of spirit that's trying to get out. So what they would have prescribed for you is to go to bed at night, put your head down, and sleep beside a human skull, and that way, it, when you grind your teeth, this thing will come out and go into the human skull, and it'll make it even more effective if you kiss it and lick it before you go to sleep at night. So. It probably didn't work for grinding your teeth. It maybe made you worse. I don't really fancy licking the skull. And it's all a bit gruesome and grisly. But this is the kind of thing that happens when we act on false information. And we live in an age which is post-truth, right? We live in an age which is fake news. We live in an age uh, where we exist in kind of our social media echo chambers. We're manipulated by marketers telling us you will not be satisfied in your life until you get this latest bit of technology. You know, our whole uh, economy is run on the fact that these marketers want us to be dissatisfied with the things that we have so that we go and spend our money on things that we do not need. With money we don't have to impress people who we don't like. So we're manipulated by marketers. We're persuaded by politicians with statistics that they may or may not have made up, or at least twisted. And we get outraged by online activists with, you know, this latest video that you might see online, and you're suddenly very concerned about this particular cause that you knew nothing about uh, the morning before, and it can be very overwhelming. What is true about life? What is true about God and ourselves? And of course, into this, Jesus says, "I am the truth. I am the way. I am the life. In Jesus are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, and He will lead us by His Spirit into truth." and wisdom. So we need to have information in our minds renewed by God, and that's what He wants to do. And the second thing that we need renewed in our mind are our ideas about the world. So if you look back in Genesis 3 verse 6, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. And then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. See, information leads to ideas, ideas about the world. So this false information that the serpent was able to implant in Adam and Eve, that they bought into, led them to false ideas about the world. Now here's what I mean. In the story, God says, I have have made this creation and it's good. Everything about it is good. And he makes Adam and Eve and he says, yeah, well, they're very good. And he's made rest and he says, well, that's good. And all these things are good. And he said, one thing is not good. What is not good is for you to eat from that tree. If you eat from that, it's going to lead to death. That's the only thing that's not good. It's the only thing that's not desirable in this perfect paradise in this garden that I've made. And what happens when the serpent comes in, it gets flipped around because the woman looks at the tree and she says, well, that is good and that's desirable. Previously, that was not desirable. It was not good. But because of the false information from the serpent, it suddenly becomes desirable and good. So whenever we have false information about God in our minds, what is good and what is desirable gets flipped around. What's good and what's bad gets flipped over. Uh, Clever people call this our worldview. You know, how do we see what's real, and how do we see which end is up? It made me think of this verse in Isaiah, woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. We got to understand the times in which we live. There's loads of good in our culture, there's loads of redemptive things happening, but there's also a lot of evil that's being called good and a lot of good that's being called evil. And we kind of can sleepwalk into this until we say, hang on a second. And actually, a lot of the things that we might say on certain issues are looked upon uh, as evil. That What we're saying is evil, and this is the problem that Eve has here, that what is good and desirable and what's bad and undesirable has got flipped around because of faulty information about God. We get false ideas about God. So one of the dominant ideas in our culture is that You know, we're just this bunch of atoms randomly stitched together, and there is no God, there is no supernatural meaning in life, there is no unseen realm, there is no spiritual meaning, so really we just got to try our best and be nice to people. And you sort of think, well, it's not a bad idea, but it is a bad idea, it's a terrible idea because it leaves us with lives without purpose uh, and without God and without direction in the world. So God wants to renew our ideas about the world so they conform with His ideas about the world. So that we can look at a thing as a church and say, well, that's good, and I know it's good because God says it's good, or that's evil, and I know it's evil because God said it's evil, rather than flip those round. So information about God, ideas about God, and the final thing, our imagination. Our imaginations need renewed, and I think this is massively important. So if you look at verse 8 there in chapter 3 of Genesis, The man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, and so I hid. Now, in Adam and Eve's minds, God has changed. So they've had this bad information. They've had these bad ideas about what's good and what's bad. And then in their imagination, God has changed. God has become scary. God has become someone to hide from. They used to walk in intimate relationship with him, like just maybe that morning, they were walking in intimate relationship with him, enjoying the goodness of his garden. And then because of this thing that has happened in their imagination, in their mind's eye, if you like, in, their, in between their ears, they suddenly say, "Well, God is not good. I need to hide from him. What has changed? It's not God that's changed. It's them that's changed in their ideas and their minds about what God is like. And a false imagination about God is where resistance to God begins. Um, and some, sometimes, you know, talking with people and they're not maybe people of faith, and they're saying, you know, I don't believe in God. And I'm always really interested when people say that, because people say, well, I'm not religious, and the thing is everybody is religious in some way, but I don't believe in God. And I like to say to them, well, what, what kind of God, just tell me what, what is the God like that you don't believe in? And they begin to explain their imagined God, like the, 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 he's the man with the big stick and he's ready and he hates this group of people and he hates this group of people. And, you know, it, it's all a bit of a fairy story. And I can kind of smugly sit back at that point and say, do you know what? That's really interesting. I don't believe in that kind of God either. Uh, what you've just described there is a God in your imagination. It's not the real God. And A.W. Tozer says like this, what comes into our minds in our imaginations when we think about God is the most important thing about us. You see, this is why a renewed mind leads to a transformed life. Because if we've got right information about God, if we've got right ideas about God, And then so in our minds, we picture God in a way that he really is, then we will live a different kind of life. Like if we know God as my father and he's always going to provide for me, and that's how I picture God in my mind, I'm going to step out and take risks because I know he's going to provide for me. But if I think he's this miserly old crone in heaven kind of being stingy with me, I'm not going to take risks. And what's actually the most important thing about us is what we think about God in our minds. And this thing needs to be aligned, how we imagine God to be versus how he really is. And the process of renewing our minds is merely bringing those two things together. What we imagine God to be like and how he really is. And further than that, I think God wants to renew our imagination uh, about what he wants to do in the future. About the dreams and visions that he wants to bring to pass. Because he said, I'm going to give you dreams, I'm going to give you visions and I'm going to bring my kingdom forward. And any idea, any vision, any kingdom venture, any business, any marriage, anything that we can think of in our future it begins in our imagination and that's why i think it's so important that god would, would we would open our minds that god would renew our imaginations because it's in the imagination that god's divine dreams get unlocked in our minds you know you think even of something like this church you know you come here and you see oh, all these people all this stuff all these good things this impact in the community where did this begin well it began as a dream in god's heart and then it began as a dream in someone else's mind in Phil's mind. You know, where this church was in his imagination before it was in reality. And I think God wants to deposit dreams and visions to us in our renewed imaginations. And so our renewed, renewed minds lead their transformed life. So you've got these three areas, information about God, ideas about the world, ideas about God, and in our imagination. That's what God wants to renew. Well, how? How does He do it? So, this invitation that God puts before us is an invitation to access the mind of Christ, which I think is powerful. It's to access the mind of Christ. And there's two kinds <clears throat> two kinds of ways this happens. One is passive, like we just go through life and we learn things and our minds are renewed. And the second is active. So I wanna take a slight shift in gear tonight and start thinking about how we can be active about learning, active about our minds being renewed, active about our imagination, our ideas and our information about God being renewed. How can we be proactive about that? So I wanna get quite practical. And I think one thing we need to do Think about in our lives is this phrase here relentless curiosity. I have always been a curious person. I'm the kind of person that, uh, as a kid, my parents used to get really frustrated at me because they would buy me a present at Christmas or my birthday or something like that, and by dinner time it would be broken. Not because it was a cheap present, but because I would take it apart and discover, oh, it's just like full of circuit boards or something, and I don't know how that goes back together. Not be able to put it back together, and I've broken this expensive toy, but I was great because I got to see inside it. No one else gets to see inside it. So I was always this curious person, and sometimes it gets you into trouble, but I think as followers of Christ, we need to be relentlessly curious in three directions. I think we need to be relentlessly curious about God. We need to be shaped by the story of God in the Scripture, and we need to be shaped by the wisdom of others about God, because if we're not shaped by the story of God as we see it in the Scriptures, we're going to be shaped by some other story. We're going to be shaped by the story that we get on the news, or we're going to be shaped by some story we read in, the no, in some novel, or we're going to be shaped by the story that our neighbors, or our friends, or our family tell us, like the world's going down or whatever. We're going to be shaped by these other stories. Like if you look at the the world at the minute, you know we kind of have Trump and we have Putin, and we have Brexit, and we have China, and we have all these different dynamics happening. And if we listen to that story, we might think, you know, we are in trouble here in this world. But we look at the story of the Scripture, and we see, well, Jesus reigns. He rules and reigns over every government, over every king, over every power and authority. And actually, He's weaving history together so that everything will be made right again under His rulership and lordship. And so that's the story we need to be shaped by. So, we need a plan for getting the scriptures into our minds and being shaped by that. So, we need to get a plan for listening to or for reading the Bible. Now, this is really simple stuff. But if we want to be shaped in our minds by the story of the scriptures, we need to have a plan to read the scriptures. It's pretty like it's pretty simple. Like we need a plan. If we don't plan for it, it won't happen. Now. Some, some people say, and some people say, well, look, I'm not a reader. I don't read. I'd uh, wish i say, that's brilliant, because if you're not a reader, you have an advantage in the Scriptures than people like me who are naturally readers. You actually have an advantage if you're not a, a natural reader. And the reason for this is that this, the Scriptures were not originally Scriptures. Uh, this, the Scriptures were written down to be read, to be heard. You think of the uh, letters in the New Testament they were written down, and they were, they were, first of all, spoken. They were then written down. They were sent to a church where somebody in the church stood up and read the letter. So it was never made really to be read. It was made to be listened to. Or the Psalms, they were made to be sung. They were made to be listened to. They weren't made to be, you know, sat back and, and you know, your favorite band, your, your favorite music, you don't necessarily just get a book of their lyrics and sit and read them, do you? You listen to them. I mean, if you're really super keen, you do, and you find great meaning in those, but you you, you experience it in the song. Um, Lots of parts of the Old Testament was originally oral tradition. It was passed on stories from one generation to the next, which was actually a very accurate way of passing on stories, because if the old man was sitting around the fire telling a story, and uh, he told a little detail wrong, he would have all his brothers beside him jumping on him saying, no, 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 you got that bit wrong. You got that bit wrong. Whereas when it came to the scribes writing things down, sometimes they could make different mistakes. And thankfully, uh, they were able to collate those to say, you know, this is really what the Scriptures say. But if you're not a reader, you have an advantage because you can listen to the Word of God being read. So if you have something like the version Bible app, uh, there's reading plans on that, but you can also download audio Bibles. And I would encourage you to get some kind of a reading plan together some kind of audio Bible, listen to it in the car, uh, listen to it on your way to work, listen to it when you're at the gym, and just be, begin to soak and begin to saturate in the story of God and the Scriptures so that your mind is renewed. Uh, if you want to be shaped by the Scripture, what I encourage you to do, and you know it's a start that you're here, is be part of a church that opens the Bible. Um, And I'll just let you in a little pet peeve of mine, all right? Now, don't throw anything at me, uh, or, you know, you can, if you've, you know, unless you can speak to Dave after, he'll he'll talk to you about that, but it's really, um, it's really rude, right, to walk in to, in on a family who are having their dinner, and just sort of stand there and lurk. You know, they're all eating their dinner, they're having their conversations, and to stand there and just sort of listen in, it's a wee bit weird. It's a little bit strange. Uh, we, we live in, a, in, in an age where on my phone I could get it out and I could listen to a sermon from some church in some far off part of the world with this unbelievable speaker, and I could listen to that day in, day out, but it's slightly perverse if I do that because what I'm doing there is I am just lurking at another family's dinner table. And technology is amazing. It is brilliant that we can put our sermons online. It's brilliant that people can catch up in that way. But I just want to encourage you to please don't overindulge at someone else's dinner table. Please don't lurk at someone else's dinner table. Give yourself to be part of a local family of God, a local body of Christ. And really listen to what the Word of God preached there is. I mean, yeah, you can go and listen elsewhere if you like, but do not... Begin to think, well, those guys know how to preach, and the guys locally are just, they're, you know, it's all right. Not that you'd ever think that here, of course, you know, but I just, it's a pet peeve of mine. Um, trust your local leaders. Don't try to be pastored by a podcast. You can't be, because they're speaking into their situation, they're speaking into their, uh, their particular family life. Uh, be part of. Of a local community of God. That's how we get shaped by the story of God. The word for today, little devotional thing, which you're probably familiar with, is great. And if that's where you're at, get the word for today. But I wonder, can we move beyond the word for today, and um, by getting the plan? So some resources for you. You can write these down. The Bible Project has uh, it does have a podcast now. It's not so much sermons and such, but uh, kind of expositions of little passages of Scripture. You can get those on. Uh, your podcast app. They've also got brilliant YouTube videos uh, where you can look at a sweep of a certain book of the Bible. So that's the Bible Project. That's brilliant. If you really want to get into the Scriptures, if you want to begin to study their uh, original languages and what's all going behind them, there's a brilliant website called blueletterbible.org. And if you just want to take a passage, you want to meditate on that, you want to find out what it really means uh you can you can click on all kinds of things in that website and look up the passage really helpful if you want to study uh, a passage of scripture a way to gain from the wisdom of others as i said is to be part of a local community of faith but also pick up books see that bookshop in there with the 50p books go and buy all of them and uh, give them away yeah and read them and uh Often people say to me, "How do you read so many books?" Like it is said to me at least kind of once a month, uh, people say, "How come you read so many books?" And the reason is that if you set if you set aside twenty minutes a day to read the scriptures or twenty minutes a day to read some kind of helpful book, uh, it is unbelievable what you can get through in a year. And I'd encourage you to intentionally be curious Godwards by saying, I'm going to read this year, I'm going to read 30 books, I'm going to read 40 books, I'm going to read 50 books, not just like trashy novels, I'm going to read books that feed my soul. And, all, and that might seem this impossible thing to attain to, but if you sit down and you say, 15 minutes a day, during my lunch break, during my coffee break, I'm going to read 10 pages of this book, you will be surprised how your soul is shaped through that time. So be relentlessly curious in a Godward's direction, be shaped by the story of God in the scriptures and be relentlessly curious inwards as well. Now, I'm not talking about navel-gazing, but a healthy self-awareness around three areas. I think often we just drift through life without thinking about these things. Three areas. We need to be relentlessly curious about our present reality. What is going on in you and with you right now? What's really going on with you? And, you know, uh, how's it going? Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine, really. Are you really fine? What's really going on in there? What's really going on in your personality? Study your personality, not in a narcissistic way, not in a way to say, well, I'm great, but actually look at myself and say, where do I fall down? Where, do, where are my faults? Where are the kind of grooves in me that wind people up the wrong way? Be curious about that. Um, be curious about your past Influences. Be curious about how your family that you grew up in and how it approached conflict and how it approached money and how it approached relationships and how it approached all sorts of things might impact you in your day-to-day life today. Uh, and some tools for this. I'd encourage you to journal, to get a book. get a notebook to open it up and every morning just as you're reading your Bible just write down a few thoughts about what's going on in your heart today and you'll begin to see patterns as you go along you'll begin to say oh well I'm actually angry all the time what is wrong with me oh I, I, I I just feel I'm always like slightly bitter against this person or I'm harboring this resentment and begin to see what's going on inside you uh, another tool to use is silence and solitude to get away from everything and begin just to hear God for yourself. Uh, or even to take it a step further and and uh, have a person. There's a great proverb which says that a, a man's heart is deep waters and it causes a man of understanding or a person of understanding to draw it out. Now, it doesn't mean, you know, your heart's deep waters and you've got to really dig down deep to get it out. It's it's saying your heart's deep waters and you need somebody to come alongside you and help you pull it out. A man a man's heart, a person's heart is deep waters, but a person of understanding can bring it out. Um My wife's a counsellor, which is a mixed blessing. Uh, no, it really is it is it is amazing. So so you know she's very good at helping me understand what's going on We I mean, you pay for counseling as well i pay for that as well to help me process what's going on inside get mentors get coaches get good friends get a spiritual director to help you work out what's going on in you uh, what your personality shape is like and what way your past has influenced you so be relentlessly curious inwards and lastly be relentlessly curious outwards other people cultural trends, our calling, and vocation. You see, when you meet people, ask them questions all the time. Uh, just be really nosy. This actually shouldn't come too difficult for most of us. Like, like sometimes we're just a bit too polite. Um, just be nosy with people, like in a friendly way. But ask questions, discover what's going on. Uh, have a thoughtful eye on movies. You know, I always, I think nowadays, why are superhero films so popular why? Why are superhero films so popular? Is it because they lift us up from the mundane and we kind of see this kind of Jesus-like figure who often, by the way, in these films, sacrifices themselves so that everybody else can live? Is it that? Uh, is, it, is it that you know, we're aware there's evil in the world, but actually the only way that we can face evil is to crush it? You know, so you've got powerful bad guys, but you've got even more powerful good guys. And is it, what does it say about our ideas about power? And uh, you wonder why there's, there's all these kind of macho uh, world leaders whenever that's the kind of culture that it's producing. So begin to ask questions about that. And um, whatever your calling is, whatever you are tomorrow, study to be the best of that that you can be. So I want to encourage you to relentless curiosity in these directions so that your information, your ideas, and your imagination will be renewed by God because a renewed mind leads to a transformed life. Now what I want you to do on your sheets there, um, we're just going to take like maybe three minutes, uh, and then Dixie and the guys are going to come back up. But I want you just to write down. I just want to anchor this. Uh, I want you to think Godwards, and I want you to write out. Okay, well this is what I'm going to do to be curious in that direction. I'm going to download you version. I'm going to listen to it when I'm on the treadmill or whatever. Inwards, what am I going to do? Well, I'm going to make sure I have a conversation with my best friend about this issue that is puzzling me. And then outwards, I, I'm going to sign up for that course and work to make me better at what I do. So find, find the sheet. Find the sheet. And let's just take a couple of minutes to reflect. Write down a couple of things. Just one for each. Something concrete you can do. once you've got one or two things down what I want you to do then is talk to the person beside you about it and I want you to really uh, if you're beside them if they're vague pin them down right and say what are you actually going to do and I'm going to text you about this tomorrow right take two minutes do that now pin each other down not physically Okay, if you're the one who's been doing the talking, swap it around and let let the other person share their bit. If you're in it too, just for time, we need to keep it moving. Okay, if you wrap those up. <clears throat> okay, if you want to wrap that up. Um, now, if you have this kind of relationship with this, this person who you were chatting to, really do follow them up with this. Uh, we could spend a whole day on this, uh, we, you could spend a whole lot of time talking about these things, but it, it's better for us to take one or two concrete steps to say, I'm going to relentlessly pursue the renewal of my mind by doing this, and I'm going to do it tomorrow, and I'm going to do it every day, or whatever it is. So, if you if you are in a relationship with that person, if it's appropriate, follow up with them about this, uh, and, and pin them down. Now, I have one more thought, one more thought, and then we're going to pray, and uh, guess the band guys could come up wherever you are um, somewhere. Yeah, they're going to they're gonna come Dallas Willard is one of my favorite spiritual writers. and very, very good in this area of formation and of practices that help us become more like Jesus. And he posed this question, which whenever I read it, really kind of took me by surprise because I'd never thought of it before. But he, he just asked this question in one of his, his books. Who's the most intelligent person who ever existed? Who who do you think is the most intelligent person who ever existed? And you might think, well, you know, it's Einstein or it's, you know, something like that. And obviously the point he makes is, well, it's Jesus. I mean, after all, if Jesus is uh, the one whom everything is, you know, created by, then, you know, he's the best mathematician, he's the best physicist, he's the best carpenter, he's the best counselor, he's the best friend. He's the most intelligent person who ever existed. And what the miracle... Of, of our salvation is that whenever we come to Him, He gives us His Spirit and we have access to His mind. And so, that is how our minds are renewed, by coming to Jesus, by knowing Him more and more. So, let's stand and I'll pray. So, Lord, we take that, we take that and receive that, that you, you are the most intelligent person. You are the most intelligent being. And in you is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And Lord, we we receive that invitation to the mind of Christ tonight, and I pray that you would give us the mind of Christ. I pray you'd give us the ability to follow through in our pursuit of the mind of Christ. Lord, allow us to be shaped by the story of your Scripture, not the story of fear in our hearts or of fear in our world or of doubt or of faithlessness, but of Uh, the great story of how you came to rescue us. Lord, let us pursue that diligently. And Lord, may we receive the mind of Christ. And I want to pray here just specifically and uh, just prophetically, Lord, I pray that you would speak to anyone here who needs a specific bit of wisdom tonight. Anyone who just is standing at a certain decision and doesn't know what to do. Lord, I pray tonight that you would... Give them that wisdom. Whether you just deposit that in their hearts right now as we're standing here, or through some conversation they have, or just, to, you know, as they're on their drive home. Lord, we pray, give that wisdom tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship Him together. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk